it's Dina and Lydia and you're listening to Retweet and for today's episode we are doing a long-awaited episode we have been wanting to touch on this topic for a very long time and I think we have um, in roundabout ways but we want to talk about the intersection of being black as well as being queer and with that, we want to touch on hyperhomophobia that happens in the Black community as well as transphobia, representation of Black bodies within the LGBT movement, and how white cisgender gay men can sometimes be at the forefront of that movement. Actually, not even sometimes. I don't know why I'm saying sometimes. Always. Um, and then also h- how we can create spaces for people who are queer in Black queer culture. And so for this week, we had to bring Amani. So Amani's a good friend of ours, UWO student, you know, bleeds purple, and is also queer and black. So um, all the information for Amani is going to be in the bio. But yeah, welcome Amani. Hi, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. I love, love, love this podcast. Um, <laughs> I've looked to become like a podcast for to be honest. So this has been added to one of the my favorites for sure. I love oh, it here. Gosh, thanks. Uh, we're Not shy. Humble, so. We're shy. <laughs> Honestly, it's been so eye-opening to see like yeah. we really don't understand how it feels to be praised. Like I'm so overwhelmed by people following yeah. the podcast. I'm like Oh really? Imagine how it feels for people. I to, mean, like, it took a lot of black people dying for people to start following us, but lucky feeling blessed feeling good mm-hmm. yeah that's always the thing too like with everything going on right now like on one hand it's like yeah like people are finally understanding like racism to like the level they should be but on the other hand it's like damn like it's been going on though yeah like, exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah this isn't anything new and people people that are allies that are like i'm tired it's like babes how can you be tired of a system that you created like the math is not mathing it's not like, mathing. It just I literally make sense. saw a tweet and it was like, "Why people be like, don't be mad at me. I literally stopped being racist two weeks ago. I'm like, that is so real. They literally stopped being racist two weeks ago. Not even stopped being racist. They literally just, they found out for the first time that black people are human. <laughs> Seriously. I think that we should probably start out as kind of explaining like how um, you identify Imani and then like kind of yeah. getting, kind of coming to terms with how you identify. Okay, so I just play as a Black gay man, and um, I don't really believe in, like, coming out, per se. I, like, throughout high school and stuff like that, like, if you knew me, like, I was always, like, otherized in a sense. Being, like, the token Black already, like, you were already, like, super different, and you were already, like, that Black friend already. So for me, I was already kind of, like, different in a sense. So for me, it was just kind of, like, like, if you knew me, like, you knew type of thing. But it was never like, hey, everyone, I'm, you know? But yeah, like, because I honestly don't really believe in the concept of, like, coming out, per se. Because, like, again, like, heterosexual people are not really expected to come out. And I feel like what has, like, resonated with me, like, throughout the years and um, being, like, coming more into terms of myself, because there's, there's, like, there's a lot of, like, loneliness and shame, especially within the intersection of being Black and gay um, within the community, mainly because of, like, it's so, like, otherized. Like, Black men tend to think that gay Black men are not men, in a sense. Like, they're, like we're still Black men. But for me, I think it was realizing how to love myself in different ways. And, as, and of course, like, it's an ongoing journey. But I really do, like, attribute to the fact of, like, coming to Western and um, meeting people, like, for example, like, Caleb Bajau. I don't know if you guys know Caleb. Shout out to Caleb. Yeah. yeah shout out to Caleb. You love um, Caleb. <laughs> I love Caleb. Like, honestly, like, having, like, people like that to kind of, like, you know, it's, like, okay to be yourself and just be open and, like, you know, like, kind of, like, just, like, not give a fuck about, you know, what other people think about you, I think is really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I bet, like, coming to university in some ways can be really, really nice, because you're out, I don't know, like, where you grew up, but... Called Midlands. Midlands. Is that, where is that here? Up north. Every time someone says up north, it's so big. like, like, I know, like, where is north? You know, Barry? Yeah. I've heard of her. I've heard of her. Yeah, so it's a bit further up. Okay, so is, is it, like, small? Really small, like, 20,000 people. And actually, currently, like, me and my friend, like, another Black girl, we are in the process of organizing a protest, and it's, like, so hard. Like, it's crazy Like, it's just hard. you guys. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure even coming somewhere like London, which I'm not saying London is great, but um, yeah. at least there's more people and there are spaces, but I don't know, like um, in terms of the spaces that black people have carved out at Western in terms of things like BSA, do you feel like there's a place for black queer people there? Yes, I do. hundred percent. But I do. Cause I used to go to, well, I still, I still will go to like the reflections and stuff. And sometimes I do notice like, Hey, it's a little heteronormative. Um, yeah, it is. It, the whole thing that. is. It's like yeah. guys are trash. Ladies, like take note. Yeah. Why is this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> so, and I'll mention that like during the, I remember there was like an interracial dating um, episode. They love doing that one. They do that one every year. Every year. Really? Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, and I think it was also kind of like a unique perspective, like, from like a black person from the community from the LGBT plus community to kind of like their perspective because in a sense too like the same way that um you know like heterosexual black men are like fetishized like so are gay ones like I remember times like being on like sites and stuff and like they would like oh you're a black black cock da, 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 da. and like I kind of like bought into it sometimes I kind of like you know took the compliment you know like sometimes like when you're so used to like not loving yourself and you know no one really seeing or like feeling desirable ever like so when you finally get that sense of like oh like someone loves like someone's like showing some sort of like desire towards you but it's really just rooted in like racism like they're really just like looking at you as a toy like a sex toy like a tool it's not really like them valuing you as a person Mm-hmm. That could be like a whole another episode on fetishization. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, on your point, I think that's a really important point to bring up. It's like when you live in a body that has always been not seen as valuable, when people do show that value to you, even though it is rooted in, in a fetish, it feels good. So mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's you got to decolonize your mind, baby. Like exactly, exactly. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess after talking about BSA, I wanted to talk about kind of the spaces that queer people carve out for themselves and the way in which being black fits into that. Because I think a lot of the times um, the LGBT movement can have white cisgender gay men at the forefront, which is really problematic. It's like the acceptable, like, I don't know. It's very, it's very rooted in respectability politics. I actually do agree with that as well. Like I, I was listening to um, this one thing. I don't know if you guys know the grapevine and someone brought up a really good point. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, someone brought up this really good point about how like, for like white gays in the community, they're kind of like trying to diversify humanity. Whereas like black queer people, they're trying to, attain humanity because like so often than not like we are the ones in the front lines like black trans women are the ones that you know paved the way for us and gave us the rights and like you said like respectability politics is a really good point too because like it's the more palatable version for like you know societal norms like well you know he's gay but like at least he's white like we can like attain Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and like even like having to deal with both identities and sometimes like they're definitely not contradictory because people are queer and black but sometimes the ways the groups are kind of set up they kind of seem like they're non-inclusive each other so I remember I don't know if it was last year or the year before or what year exactly but I remember Black Lives Matter showed up to Pride and it was this big issue because most of the people at Pride who were white were so upset that all these people were protesting and that they were upset. Um, but Black Lives Matter was like, well, you know, like this is our space and we're not able to reclaim it. But then there's also a bunch of black people who were like, why are we even at Pride? Because we don't condone queerness. I think there's a really weird thing that people in the black community, well, cishet black men do with this like thinking that queerness is detached from like our community. Whereas, like, I feel as though, like, a successful community, like, I feel like queer people are, like, intrinsic to, like, the development of a successful society. So it's really weird how, like, um, Black men tend to, like, detach that from, mm-hmm. like, not even, like, maybe not even Black men, just, like, homophobic Black people in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's due to, like, again, slavery. Like, a lot of emasculization occurred. Black men, like, were, like, belittled and, like, they didn't think that... Um, you know, like, they didn't think they were manly enough. So, like, anything else, like, having sex with a man, like, you go back to this gay guy, and he's having sex with a man, and it's, like, oh, and he's, like, he's, like, cast off to the side. So sad. 
because I remember, I remember the Black Lives Matter thing. It was in 2016 at the Pride Parade. And so the Toronto chapter of BLM wanted to stop the parade for 20 minutes for a moment of silence to recognize those in the Black community that had been lost due to police brutality. And so many white people came out and were trying to reject this proposal. Like, people don't want to dismantle white supremacy because they benefit from it. Because you're queer, you can't take away the fact that you can be racist. And I feel like you hear this a lot with Black men, too, where they're like, well, like, we're Black, we don't have any systemic power to oppress you. And it's like, babes, you guys are idiots. The patriarchy benefits you, you know, you're probably cis. There's a lot of things. And it's interesting that you say that, too, because, like, they'll take, like, the same script from, like, the white people who oppress us, and they will, like, use that same script on, like, Black trans women, on, like, Black women, on queer Black people in general. And it's interesting how, like, it's interesting when we talk about different things of, like, liberation. A lot of these people were, like, were Black women and were a part of the community. Like, Angela Davis is a lesbian woman. Malcolm X was bisexual. Um, James Baldwin was a gay man. So a lot of these, uh, like, revolutionary people that were really fighting for the revolution and the liberation of Black people were queer. So I Mm -hmm. think it's important for us to like understand our history because we love quoting these people, but Mm -hmm. it's like, did you know that they were queer? Yeah, you made a really, really good point. And I think on the point of cishet Black men, y'all are the weakest link in the movement, period. Sorry. Um, And I think with, (laughs) I think with cishet Black men, whiteness has done an amazing job of making them think that they can attain privilege and the only thing well they do have privilege but the only thing that's standing in the way of them and their and being fully privileged and being a basically a cishet white man is their pesky blackness all skin folk ain't kim folk and these are black people that i personally do not want a whole community with you're not my community like if you're a homophobe or a transphobe like you're not part of my community sorry that's true and i think like like a big problem too is like people don't understand that like there's like masculine and feminine energies within all of us. And like, that's one big thing that really helped me like be okay with who I am. Cause I realized there's power in femininity. Like there's power in being vulnerable. There's power in being compassionate and caring and nurturing. And I, and there's also power in some like masculine attributes too, like being assertive, like, you know, providing security for those that you love, you know, like those like positive aspects. But I think that there's like a war on femininity in terms of like, people view it as weak but there's a lot of power in being soft there's power in being gentle i think like for example like i have a lot of friends who come from like single mothered households one of them for example has like a single mom like a black woman and like she has like no problems whatsoever but and honestly i i think i attribute that to the fact that like as she explained to me that like her mom was able to tap into like her masculine and feminine energies and be able to find that balance within yourself and i honestly think that's why like it's like a weird duality, I think, with queer Black people, because it's like, on one hand, it's like, we're kind of like stigmatized and like cast off to the side within the black, the black community. But like, at the same time, we're like admired because we're able to see, we're able to find that balance of these two energies. And I think that's a really like something to mention, yeah. For sure. I mean, definitely on uh, the like, channeling with different energies it is really interesting when you see like women when they channel masculinity it's like this praise thing where it's like oh she was able to do all this by herself she's so strong and when men tap into their femininity it's seen as a bad thing and i always argue like the reason why that is is because we praise masculinity and when we're doing that sometimes we're erasing femininity and we would rather everyone to kind of emulate masculinity opposed to femininity and that's why gender neutral clothes are always just boys clothes but (laughs) and i yeah Another thing I was actually going to ask too, re like I guess like a lot of gay black men who are in the media, um, just because this is a whole other conversation. We didn't really tap into this in the interracial relationship episode, but I've had black friends, I've had black people in my life tell me, you know, if you date outside your race in some way or shape or form that's anti-black or they feel as though like if you really are pro-black, you will date with black people. I've noticed a theme <laughs> that a lot of black men date white men i know he's a coon but i'm just gonna quote him steve lacy made this huge <laughs> <laughs> i Pretty knew you're gonna like, that he's like you know black men are my brothers i'm from yes, compton yes, yeah yes. but 
he loves Aryan race. Like he loves the Aryan race. So and like, it's not just him. Guy. It's not just him. It's Tyler the Creator. Him. It's Frank Ocean. It's a lot of these niggas. Yeah. I'm really glad that y'all know that. Like that makes me happy. Like y'all clocked onto that. That really makes me happy. Um, and that's a really, really good point. Like I I do have a boyfriend and he is white. And it's interesting when people have like these conversations of like what it means to be pro-black and stuff like that. Because I do completely agree, like, 100%. Like, Steve, what Steve is so out of pocket. But I think it's, like, even people within, like, Black relationships will also, like, will also be homophobic, you know? And, like, if you're homophobic to me, like, that's not pro-Blackness. Like, they'll also be transphobic, too. So I think, like, I think, like, yes, in a certain extent, I think you really need to analyze, like, why you're with this person. But, like, for me, like, I think we just work in terms of, like, our dynamic and, like, we are, like, very, like, emotionally, like, connected. And, like, also he's a Capricorn, so there's that. Um, I love Caps. Um, love Capricorn. So I think it's important to, like, be, like, that's a really good point. But um, I think they're rooted in a lot of self-hate. Like, saying something like, my black men are, like, my brothers. Like, yeah. like what is that? What is that? I think that's a, that's actually too- the lamest excuse I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that a lot of, like, like Tyler Craters, Frank Ocean, Steve Lacey's of the world, I think they've also it's just experienced like a lot of like anti-blackness in their own life, and I think that attributing that to like being with someone that isn't black is kind of like absolving you of that, but really mm-hmm. it's just like projecting like what's going on in the inside. So I think like people really need to do the inner work, and I, it is hard. Like it's really hard to kind of like analyze those things even like kevin abstract i kind of forgot about Washington. but even him i'm like something about you is a little sus like i feel like you only date white guys Mm -hmm. i can't like name one black queer man that dates black men that's That's (laughs) very true and that's why like some people also like clock me to like well i'm money like you know like what's up with that and i'm just like yes like it makes sense like why like people would question that but I think it really comes down to the individual and like the dynamic but I think overall yeah you guys do bring up a good point like I think people just need to really analyze themselves and really analyze like why do you think you are you should be with this person like committed to this person like is it rooted in like you guys actually having connection with each other and just genuinely loving each other because like that's completely fine like some people can really find connections and love with any race and like that's totally fine but like if like it's rooted in like weird fetishes and like your lack of like self-love I think I think it gets like murky yeah and I think it would be a completely different story if you exclusively dated white men like that's where the issue is is when it's exclusive and if I like happen to date a white man or like if you happen to date a white person that doesn't mean you're anti-black, but if you only date white people, but it is yeah. harder. Like it is harder to date white people. And that's why like I, there's no problem with choosing not to and to, to choose to only date black people is okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think, it doesn't make you less pro-black if you choose not to, because so many black people are coons. Coons, yeah, exactly. they're homophobic. No, I totally stand by that point. They're transphobic. Like, why would I want to date you? I don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I also wanted to bring up the association of the Black community with the church and that relationship with homophobia and transphobia and things of that nature. Um, Just because the Black church came to be dating back to slavery, like you can look it up, and that, like the Black conservatism is 100% rooted in that. So I kind of just want to touch on that a little bit. Um, So yeah, that is a really good point. Um, I think we like to conflate religion and culture and like colonialist ideas um with religion and we tend to we tend to forget like how like a lot of like african spiritualities like pre-colonialism actually revered queer black people as well so i think it's interesting how like we tend to think like what is so african or like what is so black that we're trying to preserve within our community if we don't even realize so many of like our belief systems and um different ways of thinking are so much rooted in whiteness and colonialist ideas and like you said from early I think it's really about decolonizing our minds and really understanding the history like for example like I was born in South Africa and there's like a tribe in South Africa called Tutu and like 
like preconium Sutu women, like they would go to like the mountain for like circumcision and they would, and like the women would have sex with other women. I mean, there's other cultures in South Africa, like where women will have sex with other women so they can carry like their family's names so they don't have to like change names. So it's really interesting when we have like these conversations about like what is black and like how we conflate our culture and like it's so tied to like Christianity in a sense that we, we tend to forget like where like, you know, pre pre-colonialism, like what occurred. Yeah, I totally agree. And I always wonder, like, when we look at the pride community or the LGBTQ community, and I'm always wondering, like, is, have white people just, like, further themselves away from their own conservatism and, like, their own colonialist ideals? And, like, Black people are just, like, holding on to them longer due to, like, trauma? Because I'm, like, why do I feel, maybe it's just a visual representation genuinely, but, like, why do I feel like we're not as, like, far ahead in, like, being visually present i think that's the attribute to the fact that like we tend to think that culture is very static and it's Mm -hmm. like unchanging but like i think like you can change a culture can change over time but i think we just tend to hold on to something like because it's like tradition and it's like a traditional thing and it has to like stay this it's like weird but yeah that's Mm -hmm. a really good point yeah i think a lot of the black community holds on to very, very deeply entrenched ideas around heteronormativity and like pushing black men to the forefront of every movement. So yeah, it's deeply, deeply entrenched in our communities. It's really sad. (laughs) Emo. Yeah, honestly. And it's really Uh, weird too, like how they're pushed to the forefront, but like sometimes they're like, they're the perpetrators of violence, like within our communities. So it's like scary. Yeah, I just finished this isn't like completely relevant but I'm gonna talk about it for a bit I just finished um surviving R. Kelly and it was so insane because I think one of the main reasons as to why like R. Kelly didn't get caught or like charged actually when he should have is because of the fact that so many black women I think didn't come out or black girls sorry didn't come out because of the preservation of like blackness and they just didn't want this to be another black guy who like does bad things and so it's hard when um we're trying so hard to protect the people who have done so bad to us Mm-hmm. the onus of changing that culture is on black cis head men like i'm sorry it's yeah, your sure. you are the ones that are benefiting from this system that leaves black girls vulnerable that leaves us getting murdered that leaves us getting raped you you are the weakest link okay go read a book I'm like, so I feel like people don't understand like intersectionality like because they're a man they hold privilege under our society like men just hate women yeah like men think that they like black women like you actually don't like you actually hate all women it's not exclusive <laughs> oh my god yeah i, I agree like i'm gonna myself and i'm like yeah we trash like dirt like guttural uh <laughs> no i'm kidding but um also back to your point about like um r kelly like black people also have like a weird relationship with like celebrities and like legacy and like upholding this legacy of a man, like it even happened with Bill Cosby too. And it's like, because oh, yeah. he's a black man, like we also need to be holding like, like Harvey Weinstein accountable to like, which we are, we can do both things at the same time. But like, I think it's because, because he's a black man, they think that like, it's like a disproportionate thing where like, you have to like, you know, he's like, his music is so good. And like yeah. the legacy and da, 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 like, everyone's so obsessed with this so-called legacy. And I'm like, fam, like he has about one like bot banger, like, you can give it up. You can give it up. No one has about one banger. Yeah, no one's our music has been good enough to justify like any bad actions, truly. There's truly no music that's good enough for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no. And also, I feel like it's evident in like who we put as a pedestal like for black culture. Like, for example, I like wasn't going to bring this up because I thought it'd be Courtney, but I'll just bring it up for the fact of this uh, example. <laughs> There are things that I would consider like, oh, this is like a black movie. This is black culture. Um, one of those things might be on a stupid note. It might be like maybe Medea. <laughs> this will be better felt, but like you know, like those are things that you just like know as black people. Moonlight came out, and I feel like it's more a part of film culture than it is black culture. But I think that should be about black culture. It's a black film. Like, how yeah. is it? How is Moonlight not as culturally relevant than like Black Panther? Like you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. homophobia baby yeah and Um, so i think it just goes to show like r kelly was obviously a legend for 
reasons that are also rooted in the fact that like his songs were sexually charged and they were all heteronormative. Moonlight's one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason because it's like about gay men. It's crazy too because then like for example, like reflexively you can look at the white counterpart, like Call Me By Your Name. Like that was like a hit commercially. And but like really and truly the story is like very pedophilic. Like the guy was 17 and like like Army Hammer, he was like 24, 25. I'm like, y'all like this? Is that with um <laughs> Timothy? That's the movie with Timothy Chevrolet? Yes. And there's also an issue with me, like when we also this is another like tangent. I'm sorry, like I'm so all over the place, but like when I know this is a very nitpicky thing, but when non-gay or queer actors are casted or when heterosexual actors are casted for queer, like very queer, you know, roles, it's very interesting. And it's like, I would really, I really like to see like these stories, like how they would have been portrayed if like an actual person from the community, like what would they bring to like the experience? But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Even like shows like Pose, like no one talks mm-hmm. about Pose. I've never seen it, it, but I see all the visuals, and I'm like, this show looks so good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely, oh, yeah, it's definitely, Mm -hmm. like, very telling in what we do include in Black culture, even with music, too, um, who you consider to be quintessential Black artists and who you don't, and, you know, Black queer artists that people choose not to listen to. Like, I remember when Frank Ocean came out. Black men were so mad. Like, they were so mad. They were like, I can't listen to this. I'm going to have to change the pronoun. Yeah. Like, the Frank Ocean example is very true. And, like, even stories like Lil Nas X also breaks my heart as well. And different, like, like you said, like, what we consider, like, Quinter. Like, I listen to a lot of, like, Black alternative music. Like, I listen to LaKaylee 47, Baby Mother, um, oh, Kalela. Like, Kalela's also a queer woman. Um, yeah. You know, so a lot of people... He's also like, have a shot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. She's such a yeah. So it's like, and they make amazing music. Honestly, Black women, like, make amazing music. That's what we, I think that's another conversation. But we have, like, so many, like, cis-type Black men that, like, make subpar music. Like, subpar. Terrible music. Oh, bad. Yeah. Especially in hip-hop. Especially yeah. in hip-hop. Like, mm-hmm. that will be its own episode. And I do not care if I get canceled for this. But it's like... I think about people who like praise Drake and I'm just like I feel like Drake to me is someone who like l- like when I think about like black music for some reason he like pops to mind and it makes me so upset and when I think of like I just like remember being younger and being like yeah like I do like Tyler the Creator and yeah like I do like Solange and people kind of associating that with like that's white people music and it's oh just my gosh. how is that white people music I know you're a weirdo for that if you said that when you were younger you're a weirdo today probably yeah, that is really upsetting. And I think, like, even when you are listening to music that's not Black artists and you want to listen to something that's ultra- alternative, that is also categorized as white music. So even going that, like, that's even, that's back to where you sound white episode. Go listen to that. It's with our friend Mark. It's all about respectable forms of Blackness. I watched it. <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah, y'all talk about Earl Sweatshirt. I was like, yes! Brockhampton, yes! <laughs> Brockhampton yeah. era was so good. Like, we truly really didn't well. know what we had until it was gone. Because guess what? One of them was an abuser. Yeah. A black honestly, man. Mm-hmm, honestly, that's also a really good point. Like, I think that's a really good example of, like, how, like, a group, like disbanded someone because of like their behavior i think a really big problem like to circle back to the conversation of like since that black men like they don't hold their friends accountable for shit like they'll be like i bro like you were wrong but like we fool still like you know and like they'll be like abusing women like bro this is also another like tangent but like so many mutuals are still following ian connor i'm like guys guys <laughs> so I'm many not- that's scary that's actually scary I'm like, I, you have, I saw your tweet, Lydia, you have two hours. Two hours. <laughs> I, I like, literally yeah. followed everyone. I was just like, no one is worth, like, why? Like, why? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. disgusting. And like, Sheck Wes, I'm like, why are you still following, or Kodak yeah. Black? All oh. of these black men where I'm like, oh. you're gross if you still follow those people. You're actually fucked. Or like, even XXX Tentacles, you know, yeah. like, Extension Cord, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. yeah, and that's my thing, like, 
uh, back to the point of like we can have so many trash dudes but like for a black woman like she has to like be this pinnacle perfectness and if she makes even one tiny like mistake it's like oh canceled like out with her mm-hmm. but we can have like a million and one dudes that are like all kind of trash and like nine of them are good and it's like guys there's a problem yeah. yeah. And, it, and I know there's also just like this historical like negative stereotype around queer men where it's like they are pedophilic and it's like, but when the straights do it, what happens? You guys keep them around. You guys keep playing them in the club and it's embarrassing. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point to like bring up like a lot of people like sexualize like queer people. Like they're very also like hypersexualized I find. For example, like the gay best friend and like movies and media and stuff like that they're like always the ones sleeping with someone and like they're very promiscuous and like and even for example like my roommate he's also um he's also bi and it was really nice like having someone like that to like to be around with and, like and also just like having like a similar kind of experience but I remember like after a week someone came up to us and was like oh like are you sure you guys aren't giving each other hand jobs or are you sure you guys like are you sure you guys aren't sleeping with each other and we're like huh it's like this thing where like queer men can't be friends yeah Mm -hmm. no yeah and I think even on your point point of being like the black queer sidekick black women are not absolved from perpetuating that like I remember I was watching deliver us from Eva and that's like one of my favorite movies but the one character like pretends to be gay he works in like a beauty salon it was very weird anyway but yeah it just very much illustrated the fact that there's a long complicated uh history between black gay men and black cishet women um and many times black women can show up in black queer spaces with the belief that black gay men are their accessories and that somehow equates to allyship when it really doesn't mm-hmm that's a really good point. And I feel like that's what, like, made it kind of, like, hard. So, like, does this person really, like, value me? Like, for, like, in terms of making friends, like, does this person really value me? Or am I just, like, this caricature for them to kind of, like, yeah, I'm not nice here, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, girl, calm down, like. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, like, it's hard for me to, like, not be hypercritical about that kind of stuff, too, only because I know in certain shows that have come up recently where they're trying to be super progressive or movies and they're like, okay, we're going to have this queer character. So an example of this might be like sex education or like, I know that one movie with um, Noah Centineo, I think it's called like swipe right or something. Anyways, he has a queer best friend who's black. Both of those movies or shows have queer best friends that are black and I understand the intent they want to make it inclusive they want to show representation but I think the fact that they weren't the main character just like I don't know it does it defeats the purpose almost and like you could have gone a little further Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even with shows like Euphoria yes Zendaya is playing a queer woman but again you chose a very conventionally attractive light-skinned woman to play that role so not like I don't I exactly and I don't want to like I think Euphoria is a really important same here I think Euphoria is a really important show but you can't you can't just expect to give someone diversity and think they're gonna say thank you and not criticize it because there are ways that are better than others to do it that's a really good point like nothing's about criticism and I also do love euphoria like I think it's a really really good show I actually <laughs> I actually applied for season two but obviously didn't get called back um Aww. but there's a colorism there's a colorism aspect in the show mm-hmm. like where the dark skin at like yeah where the dark skin fat black femmes yes mm-hmm. yes that actually brings like one of the questions I had, and that's something that I kind of questioned myself, is kind of this idea of, like, visibility and then also not trying to be the token, but also not being, I guess, like, the most highlighted person in a casting, in a room, in a group. So an example of this is um, one artist named Zach Black. Basically, he created an art that was, like, a mask for people to wear who were queer, and it's called... I'm not going to say this as a straight person. I'm not going to reclaim it, but F-A-G, face, okay? 
Uh, and so it turns this art piece into a mask and it's this form of res like of resistant for people who are queer so that their faces aren't identifiable but their queerness isn't invisible if that makes sense so this is kind of this inner battle of i want to be seen and i want to be accepted for who i am but i don't think it's necessary for me to be typecasted as like that's my identity hi i'm queer so it's kind of like battling those identities and i guess like how do you feel about that and kind of you going back to your point of coming out and how you didn't feel like you wanted to come out and how straight people don't need to come out. So uh -huh. kind of identifying as someone who's black and queer, there's power in identifying as black and queer, but like, why is it that when you go to, let's say a BLM protest or a BSA reflection, this is now an important aspect. You need to come out and you need to show up for the black queer as opposed to just being another black individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, I think so often, because we're so used to being the only one, and even in my case too, like being from like a white town, like I was the only black person that, in my graduating class. So like, I was like already like Same. tokenized, right? So like, I was already like tokenized to the max, like just because I was black. And then on top of that, being like queer, um, it really like makes you think that you are like the, you have to like represent the entirety, like the whole collective, of like everyone that comes before you or like is of your same identity so even when you come into other spaces and that, that's even why like other like queer black men like if you come into those spaces and you see another one like there's like this weird kind of like rivalry of sorts because like you're so used to being the only one so when you're in a space where someone is also like you you kind of have to like you kind of feels like you have to like overcompensate but like that's not the case like like someone's like doesn't diminish your own type of thing and that's something I had to kind of like grapple with. And also back to your point with how I like show up, I think it really just depends on like the situation for me. Like, so for example, like if I'm in a space and we are talking about dating, like, yeah, like this girl's talking about her boyfriend, this guy's talking about the girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna talk about my boyfriend too because I won't be silenced. Like I won't be diminished in this conversation just because I'm like different. And yeah, I think it's just very like contextually. So like for me, like I don't feel like I have to like convey certain aspects of my identity like and just in random things like if I'm like in a lab or something I'm like hey I'm money I am gay like no like mm -hmm. I don't have to do that but yeah it really just depends on like different conversations even if it's like casual like you're talking about like different types of things and like what you like and stuff and it's like yeah like I'm queer and what yeah so I think it just depends on the person but for me that's like that's what's worked for me and also your identity, like your, like who you like to be with, that's your business, I think, at the end of the day. But I think it's also important to also have pride in yourself. But yeah. How do you feel about the reformation of the LGBTQ plus flag that they've added the brown and the black stripes? Ooh, personally, I haven't really like read up much about it, but like, I think it's a good idea because it showcases that like it's not like white people aren't you know the poster child for like our community and you know and further I was to say like the reason why the community is so like it's so like it's advanced so far today is because of queer black people and specifically mm -hmm. black trans women especially black trans women so mm -hmm. I think it is a good thing yeah Cool. Yeah. That's on Marsha P. Johnson. Yeah, Marsha P. Johnson, exactly. No, like, there would actually be no Black Lives Matter if it wasn't for queer Black that women. That's like, That's too. Exactly. There would be, and also there would be no queer rights activism if it wasn't for trans Black women. So Exactly. It's like, why mm, are you doing everything? It's really weird, too, because, like, for example, like, J. Cole today how he also expects Black women to, like, Black women are already, like, doing all these things and are already holding down the community and are already, you know, they're, like, the people, like, you guys are, like, the people that are, like, bringing us to liberation, right? It's really interesting how, like, on top of everything and all these, like, different burdens that, like, society, like, expects of y'all, on top of that, you have to, like, you know, coddle folks and, like, educate, and it's, like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. The y'all don't have to do it if you don't want to. Yeah. J. Cole's, J. Cole's whole argument was so weird. He was basically uh, like, you had the privilege of growing up woke. 
That was basically what he said. I'm like, babes, she, no name got called out. Like, I don't know if people forget this, but she got called out because she was caping for capitalism. Like, I don't even know. I can't even remember what she said, but she was just kind of saying that capitalism wasn't like a bad thing, I think. I don't know. And she educated herself. This woman started a whole book club. Now she's, you know what I mean? Like, J. Cole, you've been dragged and you haven't learned anything from it. So what can we really do for you? Dude, yeah. honestly, in comparison to all the black men who have made mistakes and uh, black women, the apologies, I feel like that's why Nicki Minaj has never apologized for anything because I feel like she sees her black counterparts who've, or her black female counterparts who never apologized for literally anything. Yeah. And she's like, I will not do the same. She is, she's such a shit person, though. Yeah. It's sad, but she's such a shit person. Yeah, honestly, I agree, but like, <laughs> these are my things. I low-key be loving her a little bit. It's the same thing with Azalea Banks. Like, I know Azalea Banks is trash. Like, I know that. But for me, it's like, if cis black men can still listen to, like, XXX Tentacles and (laughs) R. Kelly and Kodak Black, like, why can't I listen to Azalea Banks? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Like, if people can't, like, people cancel her, and, like, I completely agree. Like, the things she's done, the things she said, foul, foul. Um, but it's interesting how like certain people are canceled more as opposed to like others yeah the real cancel culture is oppression (laughs) period period it's misogyny (laughs) yeah just remember no matter how marginalized a person is if you're white your proximity to white supremacy allows you to oppress Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but I wanted to talk about Zaya Wade because mm-hmm. the way that the Black community has torn this young woman down is, girl, like, girl, she's not even a woman, has torn the entire family down is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. And the Shade Room, this is for you, you're fucked up. Because you know what the Shade Room will do? They the will post... Room. The Shade Room will post a photo of Zaya Wade and be like, what do we think about this um, Shade Rumors or whatever they call them? And it's like, you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. You should have turned off those comments. You shouldn't have even posted it in, to begin with. Abolish the Shade Room. Um, if you're still following them, I'm not sure what to tell you. But yeah, it's yeah. just really sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, back to the point of, like, people automatically, like, sexualize, like, Black people in the community. And on top of that, we sexualize, you know, young Black children in general. We like to, like, like, the childhood innocence of Black children, like, they aren't really granted that because, like, they're viewed as adults (laughs) by, like, whiteness already. Like, I believe, like, there's a story of this one Black girl. And, like, it even is evident, like, in schools, too, like, how you know, certain teachers will talk to Black girls, like, little Black girls, like, as if they're, like, already adults. And even how, even um, how certain police, too, will even handle, like, little Black girls. It's as if they're, like, they're, like, carrying an AK-47. It's, like, whoa, like, you're very aggressive towards some of that. Because, like, I feel like we're not really granting, like, Black children to actually just be that children. And then you couple that with, you know, you know, Zaya transitioning and, you know, being a Black girl people already have, like, these very internalized transphobic ideas of what it means to transition. Like, they were already starting to conflate that her gender identity with the fact of her having a sex change. Like, I don't know where... I don't know where... Like, it's very weird how someone can even, like, conceptualize that of a 13-year-old. All of the... Sorry, the Wade family, all that they shared was her pronouns. And cis people were like, okay, she's getting gender reassignment surgery. Uh, What do we think, guys? And it was just so fucked up. And if you're, like, a grown person thinking that you can comment on another, like, a child, you're so fucked up. Like, I don't even know how to tell you that. And then I remember there was a rapper, I forget his name, Boosie? I don't know. And he was... Yeah, like, he was dragging the waves through the mud, and a lot of the comments were saying that, hey, you're Black before you're anything else. You're Black before these other facets of your identity. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm, yeah. And like how like that rapper too, like he he basically like paid women to like suck his son's dick or something like that. And his son's like 12, which honestly that's sexual assault, Loki. That's like very mm-hmm. like that's very like weird. Like a, there's a lot of like weirdos. There's and, a like, lot of weirdos. Like, I'm sorry, if you think that you're Black before your sexuality, you mm-hmm. clearly think that sexuality is a choice. So, yeah, I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was kind of the thing when, or, like, that was kind of, like, what we were talking about when we were talking about, like, kind of choosing between, like, going to, like, LGBTQ events and then also like going to part, going to BSA and, like, maybe like between those two clubs, those two identities and like racking those two identities because um, someone who I follow on Instagram who I love and think is literally so funny, um, her Instagram is at Litany Spears and she's a queer black woman from Toronto and she creates these parties called Buy or Buy, Buy, B-I or Buy. And I remember actually when she came out because I'd been following her on Instagram, like I followed her like the day she came out, not purposely, just like and she had made this paragraph where she was saying, like, you know, I've been involved in the Black community in Toronto for a very long time. I've been going out to these Black parties, I've been part of the scene, and now so many people have left me. And now I have to join this new community of people. And it's hard because now her, I mean, of course, like, flourishing because she has more queer friends around her and the people who didn't really support her before aren't around anymore. However, it's interesting that, like, you know, a lot of the people who were in her life who she identified with because of the black community has now left her. So in their eyes, I feel like that sentiment of you're black before your sexuality kind of reappears. When I think of queer people who perhaps decided that they were gonna indulge in the queer community in ways where they're like perhaps a part of like clubs, they're a part of uh, community initiatives. For whatever reason, I feel like a lot of times that's been seen as abandoning the black community. Like now they start- oh, yeah. um, the white queers because they are so much the face even though that shouldn't be the the truth and that shouldn't be uh, the reality but i guess like grappling between those two and kind of feeling like okay there's an intersection here and we know there's an intersection here but they're just not visually being met mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like to your point of like how like certain things that like someone would do like that are considered like white things mm-hmm. like for example like people who like anime or like different types of music for example like I've loved Paramore since second grade and that's like considered very white um but I yeah, love Haley Williams same, same. I love her she's a queen like her EP so good. Mm-hmm. so good yeah a lot of y'all that hate trans women love to use trans women's language Love to say drag, love to say throwing shade, love to say tea. Like, when white people say tea, I'm so uncomfortable. They don't know how to use it. Yeah, they don't. And also, like, queen is literally, like, the word, like, when a white woman calls you queen, it's literally a microaggression. That's a microaggression. (laughs) You might as well just have called me nigger. Yeah. Like, at that point. Just call me nigger. Also, another interesting um, kind of, like, idea that was brought up on Twitter was someone had made a thread about how... um, and both Moni and I are like RuPaul Drag Race stands. So we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I see this because I've recently become a RuPaul Drag Race stand. So I had to start from season one. And season one, it's like, they look like the Kardashians, but the Kardashians haven't come out yet. So it's interesting how, basically this thread that I was looking at was calling out how cis women kind of have coaled this um, trans woman drag race look like it's like everybody wants to like the hyper snatched waist the mm-hmm. hyper snatched nose the contour it's it's what trans women have been doing forever mm-hmm. and what drag queens have been doing forever but like we're just calling it yeah and yeah. we just wanted to say that's an ig baddie aesthetic even though yeah. it's really not um even like baking remember when baking became really popular and it's like that's actually a drag queen thing yeah exactly exactly and like Lydia too like I had to watch from the beginning as well and I do notice that as well and I think it's like the trans woman look per se I don't know if like I'm correct in saying that but um yeah like you can definitely see like how it's shifting and how like different people are like trying to emulate certain types of you know bodies and like how they're trying to look which honestly like whatever like I don't really care about like like, if you want to do plastic surgery, that's, like, more power to you, like, whatever. But it's, like, interesting how, like, there's, like, a rebranding and kind of, like, 
a, like a cultural smudging of like, oh, you know, trans women didn't really start this. It's more of like an I do body thing. It's like, no, like it's weird, like erasure type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And more and more of these people, like, I mean, obviously trans women aren't the same as drag queens, but like even now looking at uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm like, man, all these queens are fishy as hell because they they look like regular, regular women now. Like this isn't mm-hmm. like crazy, like this isn't crazy makeup anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's evolved, like, yeah. I'm on 2010 now, like it's crazy. Isn't there like some transphobia within Drag Race? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, yeah. RuPaul was called out for, like, having transphobic things to say. And also, like, there is, like, within the community, it's, it's you know, getting better now, I think. But I don't think I'm, like, the best to speak on it. Like, not, like, I'm, I, like, acknowledge my privilege of being, like, a cisgendered man. So, like, I can't really be the best person to speak on it. But there's, like, this idea that if you're a trans woman or just a woman in general, I think you can't be a drag queen, but like, that's not the case. Like you can be and like drag is so, drag is so transformative. It's so diverse. It's so like adaptive. It's, mm-hmm. it changes over time. And I don't know, like, like season nine, um, Peppermint, for example, she's a trans yeah. black woman and she came out on the season and she talks and she talks about that exact thing about how, you know, there's like, there's like this kind of like if you're trans you can't be a drag queen and I feel like that's just like an ongoing thing because like within the community there is also internalized transphobia and internalized misogyny within like gay men as well that I think a lot of people haven't unpacked oh yeah it was just like how like a lot of gay men will absolve themselves of like any forms of oppression because they're a gay man like they can't be transphobic they can't be misogynist like I can't be racist. Yeah, can't be racist. Like, I'm like, men who, like, are mean as fuck to women, are, like, super, like, aggressive, and, like, oh, she, like, she beat, I'm, like, whoa, like, buddy, relax, like. Yeah, I, I think, like, I remember watching Drag Race, and something about white drag queens using black vernacular just doesn't sit right with me, like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you've ever watched like Paris is Burning, like when you when there's like the ballroom scene and obviously like there's various races. I mean, it's New York, so it's pretty diverse, thankfully, but there's various races and it's crazy when like the category is like something like dumb racist and like dumb like gendered and, and you have like all these people like walking down the ballroom that's like I'm a sexy Latina girl. That's the category. And I'm like, "What? How can you do this?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite documentaries. I feel like everyone should watch it. Yeah, watch Paris is Burning, though. It's good. It's on YouTube. So watch it. There's no excuse. Yeah. One thing that I definitely wanted to talk to you about, um, although this is coming from, like, a heterosexual perspective, is I feel like what is the online presence for Black queer men? And I know from my own perspective, like just like looking from the outside in, seeing the impact of Jay Versace, seeing the impact of Ricky Thompson, I feel like there's a very much a new era, like a very specific like Black men who are coming out on the internet and really at the forefront. So how has that impacted you? How do you feel like it's impacted like other queer Black men? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, for the longest time, there was kind of like, if you were like a flamboyant kind of like feminine queer black person, like you were like, oh, you were Ricky Thompson. Like I was told I was Ricky Thompson. I don't even know how many times when we look nothing alike. We don't act the same at all. So I think now I think there is more, like you said, of a diversified view of like, because we're not monolithic. Like we're very like everyone has their own dynamic personality, but I think it's like interesting how um, like we're kind of put into that box. Like before, as I said, like how the gay black man has always like the funny one and like the sassy one. And like, he was like the, hey girl, hey, which like, you know, sometimes I can be like that too, but you know, that's not like the entirety of who I am. And I think in terms of like the media, I think it's like, honestly to like actually the fact like how popularized social media is now like how more and more people are using social media especially with COVID-19 and quarantine like more and more people are online and more and more people are seeing that like there's different types of blackness there's different types of black queer people and and like and you see it too like a lot of people like I follow like I am very conscious about like 
who I'm interacting with like on Instagram or like because the algorithm works in a way that like the person like you interact with the most like you'll you'll see them come up so like I rarely see my locals and that's not shade but um I just don't find them interesting but yeah yeah, so I think I think it's really nice to see like there's like different types of like queer blackness like Mm -hmm. it's not just like a Ricky Thompson or like a Denzel Dion you know yeah I was gonna say Denzel like their relationship yes yes exactly because although, like, Ricky Thompson is very, like, popular and people really do admire him, there's, like, within, like, the gay black community, there's kind of, like, this thing of, like, this demonization of femininity. And if you're feminine, like, you're not deemed as attractive. You're not deemed as... You're just not deemed as desirable. And, like, even, like, I don't know, I feel like you guys talked about this on, like, another podcast, but, like, even, like, on, like, like a dating site for example they'd be like oh mask for mask or something yeah like that. andre told us about that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's very like that's even like boosted even more within like the gay black community i feel because like a lot of we call it dls or like down low um or <laughs> or trade trade like it's basically it's like a new york kind of lingo and it's used yeah for, like, like atlanta like, atlanta mm-hmm. like used for like men that are very like masculine presenting and like you wouldn't even know which I think honestly can be a good thing because like we kind of have this very stereotypical assumption of what you know queer blackness is but it's like Mm -hmm. multiple things but I think within ourselves we need to realize that like what we're aspiring to like it's null and void because at the end of the day like you're still sucking dick um period period. (laughs) but yeah I think it's really nice to see kind of like more diverse type thing and just like people leaning into more femininity like I feel like there's just more there's this power in, in feminine energy and and, that, and that's why like for example with my current relationship now like I like people who like me like if you're talking to me like I like you you know type of thing so it's like it's nice to see people who like who will value you in your entirety for who you are and I think also I think just to circle back to like I think how we can kind of like mend the relationship I think even with cis head black men I think it's also for them to understand that um their femininity and also realizing that it's okay sometimes to be vulnerable and be compassionate and be nurturing and I think that will help us you know further on in our community like I think without understanding that there needs to be a balance with like femininity and masculinity like it won't really get anywhere mm-hmm. yeah That's really true. And I think on your point of um, separating yourself from femininity, because I look at artists like Young M.A. and how Black men, like cishet Black men, embrace her wholeheartedly, even though she does have a queer identity, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. They embrace her because of her proximity to masculinity, right? So. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think also, like, one thing, like, I've realized, too, is that just, like, for other, like, gay Black men, like, you are men, and it's okay to, like, be feminine, and one thing I've, I, I was also listening to this other podcast, and they mentioned, like, nobody loves, like, Black men more than gay Black men, because, like, you love yourself, so I Period, think that's yeah. really, mm-hmm. Even though I think RuPaul is a coon, for many reasons, that's a different episode. Whoa. That's a different episode. Like, seriously, like, it's that point that you made, like, it's so insane how much gay black men love themselves so much because I feel like they've gone through so many trials like within society and their masculinity being questioned. And it's really truly like a big like F you to society to be out and to be proud. And I think that so much of the lessons I've learned to truly love myself have come from black women, but also some uh, queer black men. So I think I totally agree with your point. And I think that uh, to any of our listeners who fall in that category, love you so much. Love you. Thank you guys. <laughs> so yeah, just to end off the episode, my last thought is to tell you guys that, you know, there is no pro-black when massage noir, homophobia, transphobia exist. That's so funny. please stop caving for cis-ed black men that perpetuate these ideas because you look stupid. You look stupid. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting offended, just fix up. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. And I guess my ending point would be to really evaluate um, your inclusivity and like what you mean when you say certain phrases. So if you're going to say, um, I'm 
you know, pro the movement, Black Lives Matter, be all Black Matter, or all Black Lives Matter, like dead ass, like all Black Lives Matter. And you need to say that with your best. If you're going to go to the protest, go to the protest and fight for all Black lives, period. Um, if you're going to be a feminist, period. be a feminist for all women, all people. If you're going to be intersectional, be intersectional. Like, say what you do and mean what you say, period. Yeah, I think I'm also, like, also going to echo that as well. Like, Black queer people are intrinsic to the development and to the forwardness and like the overall revolution and liberation of Black people. So we cannot, we can no longer otherize them. We need to protect our Black trans sisters. We need to recognize that for us to even move forward as a community, like everyone, all Black people need to be included. Period. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Romani, for being on. I'm so happy. Romani is just 19. He's so smart, guys. Make sure to follow him. He's so smart. Follow him. Imagine being this smart at 19. Can't relate personally. Shout out to everyone that has been following us recently. We love you. Um, please follow all of our socials we have an instagram at retweet podcast we have a youtube which we have no really new content on but hmm. it'll come soon i don't know we're figuring it out um yeah. yeah just get us get us to 1k instagram followers and then we'll drop merch yeah then we'll drop merch and then you guys can rep black women you yeah, can financially support, support us as you love to do you know it's the blm movement so it's not over honeys blackness matters every day mm-hmm. period hey that's it just follow us bye yeah.